As a believer, reading God's Word is a critical part of your daily spiritual journey. And because it's so important, we've created a unique new resource to help you immerse yourself in biblical truth and open your eyes to all God's Word has for you. It's a free PDF download called The Word One-to-One that takes you on a guided journey through John chapter one. With biblical text and short commentary, each page provides insights that will strengthen your faith in an easy to read guided format. There's truly no other resource like this. Download your free PDF copy today at premierinsight.org forward slash resources. That's premierinsight.org forward slash resources. Ask N.T. Wright Anything podcast. Hello there. Welcome back to the show that brings you the thought and theology of N.T. Wright. I'm Justin Briley, Head of Theology and Apologetics for Premier Unbelievable. And today, Tom and I are back with a fresh batch of questions from listeners. But they're having trouble hearing from God. Nicole asks, why ask and you shall receive doesn't seem to work in practice. Sheila says she doesn't hear from God the way she used to. Is it because of disobedience? And Robert asks how you can tell if you've misheard from God. And Tom also gives an update on his health, his work, and reflects on how he hears from God too. Thanks, by the way, to Jagger, who left a review of the podcast saying, absolutely fabulous podcast that explores the vast knowledge of the New Testament and early Christianity that N.T. Wright possesses. Thank you, Jagger. Do leave a review yourself if you can, wherever you get your podcast from. It helps others to discover us. And if you like this show, we think you'll like our other podcasts too from Premier Unbelievable. In fact, this week's Unbelievable show will be reflecting on some big events in the Christian world, the Asbury Revival, uh, somewhere Tom has actually only fairly recently spoken. Well, you can catch that on this weekend's edition of the Unbelievable show on podcast. Again, if you want more from our shows, articles, resources, premierunbelievable.com is the place to go. For now, enjoy today's programme. Welcome back to today's show and it's lovely to be sitting down with Tom again after actually a little while um, because uh, due to health issues and other things intervening, Tom, it's been a little while since we've been able to record some fresh episodes answering some questions. Um, tell us tell us a little bit about what life's been like for you over the last couple of months. It's, it's been a bit strange. I, I feel as though last autumn really from more or less October through till the new year really was just a bit of a blank. I did some things. I was able to crank myself up and I went to to Kentucky and lectured at Asbury Seminary. I think that the travel particularly really took it out of me, but um, I knew I needed to do those lectures, as it were. But apart from that, I've been trying to lie low. There have been one or two local engagements I've been able to do. And then gradually after New Year, I started to get a bit more energy. Um, but the rheumatoid arthritis was diagnosed a month ago um, in my hands, knees, ankles. And so I've been on medication for that. Um, and uh, also trying to change my diet in accordance with what a nutritionist Mm. have been advising. And I've been having some acupuncture treatment. Um, And it's basically I'm trying as many things as I can to see if any of it works. And at the same time, several kind, faithful, wise friends have been praying for me, um, sometimes by arrangement, sometimes spontaneously in the middle of doing something else. So, Tom, let (laughs) me pray for your hands or wrists, whatever it is, which is great. And I, I am delighted that that's happening and will continue. 
But um, I mean, I measure this by um, things like how easy it is to go up and down stairs. And today it's yes. a bit easier than sometimes. Sometimes I can only mm. go one step at a time mm. and then bring the other foot up or down. Um, this morning I was able just about to manage getting up and down the stairs one stair at a time <laughs> in, the, in, in the proper way. Um, and, and it's those sort of things which make me realize I'm still quite a long way from anything like normality. But um, fortunately yeah. I can still type, I can still write, I can still edit stuff on the screen. Mm. So I'm able to get on with some of the regular work, which I simply wasn't able to do between September and Christmas. So, so that has been yes. a real relief and thank you to everyone who has been i see you're wearing some some gloves that are those to help maggie found these maggie found these little gray gloves online they're made of bamboo curiously and they are for arthritis mm. sufferers and they kind of keep the hands and joints in the hand warm um and and supple um and so i wear them most of the time um and if i take them off mm. i do feel the lack of um so yes. it's it's one of those odd things. I'm in uncharted territory as far as I'm concerned. My GP has, is sending me to a specialist, a rheumatoid specialist, in the hopes that there may be something else which they may find, which they may then be able to treat to speed up the process of, insofar as you recover, you don't recover from rheumatoid arthritis. Apparently, it's a, it's a lifelong condition, but you can ameliorate its effects. And that's obviously what we're trying to do. Yes. Um, well, I'm sure there'll be lots of people adding their prayers to those who are already praying for you tom um i, I can imagine that the main thing is obviously the frustration of you're, you're used to doing so much buzzing around doing you know lectures here <laughs> writing books there and that's all had to obviously go at a bit of a slower pace over the last few months hasn't it it's been it's been much much slower i having not really gone into wickliffe hall where i'm based hardly at all in the autumn, except I did a couple of lectures right at the beginning and then two right at the very end for special reasons. And I was able just to go in and sit there on a stool because standing up is difficult and uh, and do them and then go home and lie down again. Um, but this term I was determined I was going to do my regular stint, which is a Monday morning Bible exposition and so this term I'm doing Acts. I'm halfway through the exposition of Acts and I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Um, and uh, it's something which it's just sort of I, I'm eager to get to grips with the issues and to help the students see a bigger picture of acts than they've probably seen before mm. well look um as i say uh, i'm sure many people will be thinking and praying for you as you, you as you deal with that and uh i just hope that you know you, you can do what you can do and and no more you know um that, that's yeah that's well, the exactly, thing. well exactly. look we've We've got some great questions here. In fact, speaking of prayer, yeah. that'll that'll be coming up in a in a future episode soon. Yes. But um we've put together a few questions from people on the subject of hiddenness, God not speaking, that sort of thing. Um so why don't we leap straight in to some of these, Tom? Sure. Um Nicole from Ontario uh is asking why do sincere seekers seem to still not find God? Here's her question. Simply put, verses like Ask and you shall receive trouble me. There are many who, despite desperate and genuine prayers, do not receive what they cry out for. Frankly, I can't stomach the idea that these people simply lacked faith. Can you help me make sense of ask and you shall receive? It is simply not my experience that it's true. Thanks for your time and all the good you do. Um, that's Nicole's question, Tom. Yeah, well, thank you, Nicole. Um, I, I get that. And as a pastor, I have met this at various times. Um, 
I remember once um, a, a young student coming to see Maggie and me. It was a, it was a girl student, and we, Maggie and I saw her together. I think we saw her two or three times. She was in exactly this position. A lot of her friends were Christians. They had prayed. Jesus seemed to come into their life, and they were all happy about it and, and eager, and she wanted to share what they had. And um, it took us a while, and I'm still not sure that we ended up ultimately helping her forward. But what we did unearth by very cautious, careful questioning, as you have to do pastorally, was some real blocks in her own life, particularly a very serious breakdown in relationship with her own parents, um, where she had just uh, was blanking them out, and her whole emotional life seemed to be, um, I, I'm not in touch with all that, I'm just trying to be my own person mm. here. And mm. we came to the conclusion, we prayed about this with her, um, that maybe the facility inside oneself, I mean, it's a very metaphorical language, which with which one can uh, receive the love of God, God as Father, not least, is very closely mm. tied to the emotions that we have about other human relationships, not least parents or, or indeed siblings or whoever. Um, and it's rather like Jesus talking about, unless you forgive, you won't be forgiven, that, you know, there is, there is, it's as though there's a door which we open to let our forgiveness out, and that's the same door through which God's forgiveness comes mm. in. Now, mm. so I would say, and I've said it many times on this podcast, I know, that somebody who is facing this really does need to find a wise pastor or perhaps a psychotherapist who can work with them. The mm. other thing to say is we are all different. Some people react mm. um, to all sorts of things with open, warm uh, emotion and mm. seem to be very engaged with other people or with music or with the, uh, with the scenery or whatever it is, while other people are much more restrained and quiet and there's something which doesn't work the same way with them. And there's nothing mm. wrong with that. It's just we are different. So I think particularly if somebody has been rather sort of bombarded by sermons saying, you know, name it and claim it, or ask God for whatever you want mm, and mm. it'll happen, and then that they try and it doesn't work. Well, you know, that is that is universal Christian experience, I suspect. Mm, and mm. I think sometimes when people are first new in the faith, sometimes God graciously allows them to pray prayers which um, are actually easy for him to fulfill. But if mm. they then um, decide they're going to pray for something quite different, which is quite other, there may be quite a lot of wrestling before their mm. will and God's will somehow come into alignment. We'll be talking about this in relation to another question, I think, in a moment. Mm. Um, and mm. uh, in, in my own experience and that of people that I've been able to, to be with pastorally, I think often God allows us to pray for X um, because he really wants, us, wants to give us Y, um, but at the moment, X is all we're able to see. And I think God happily mm. takes our prayers for X um, and, as it were, uses them towards the greater good of Y. And, and when we get Y, we say, oh, my goodness, thank God he didn't give me X because that would have got in the mm. way of this much mm. greater thing. Mm. Now, it's mm. easy to say I've had a few personal examples of that over the last 50 years, but it's not always everybody's experience. So it rem prayer remains a mystery. We never get to the point where we're just sticking a coin into a, a machine and getting um, something out the bottom uh, as a sort of automatic mm. thing. And there's always a danger that Christians, out of a desire to be faithful and to take the Bible seriously, saying, ask for anything, etc., do make that mistake. So um, I, I very much hear what's being said, but ultimately mm. I think 
the local pastoral and psychotherapeutic help is probably what's needed. A pastoral question, in a sense, as well, from Sheila in Surrey, who says, when I first made a commitment to Christ some 40 years ago, I heard him speaking to me a lot. Why don't I now? People have suggested that it's because I'm more mature and don't need that so much now. But might it be because I'm being disobedient or missing his way? Yeah, I, I, I read that with a great feeling of sympathy. and I want to say to Sheila, um, yeah, it might actually be that. Um, certainly disobedience and, and charging off in your own way, having been told to go a different way, that would do it. But there are many other things. And I think the maturity thing is, is important. You know, when uh, young children are talking with their parents, sometimes the parents use baby language and, and have mm. all sorts of little verbal games that they'll play. Um, it would be very odd if when the child was a teenager, let alone uh, an adult, if the parents carried on talking to them in that way. We would think there's something actually wrong with that. And I think sometimes... And, and the great writers on prayer, the great mystics from days gone by, have said this again and again. It's as though God withdraws in order to say by implication, uh, please come looking for me a bit further. There's that lovely verse in the Psalms mm. which says, my heart has talked of you, seek ye my face, thy face, Lord, will I seek. Um, so uh, it's not that God is there on tap. It's there is a, a seeking, and some of the prophets are very mm. strong on this. Uh, the, the wait for the Lord and Isaiah forty. Those who wait for the Lord, and that waiting is like somebody who's come to see somebody else and has knocked on the door and suspects that they're in, but is waiting for the response. And sometimes you have to wait a long time. And I often remind myself and remind others that the, the Judeans after the Babylonian captivity had been told that one day God would come back and liberate them. And 400 and some years went by before finally a young man turned up on the banks of the Jordan and John the Baptist said, he's the one. Mm. And didn't look like what they'd expected. But I think of those faithful people like Simeon and Anna in the temple, faithful people in every generation who were praying, Lord, do it. You've said you'll come back and rescue us. Now, please do it. And in many periods, there were sort of false dawns like the Maccabean crisis, etc. And people will have thought, this is the moment. This is what we've been praying for. But then, oh, no, it all went horribly wrong. Um, but eventually, and I think often that's how it is that we have to go on praying and praying and waiting mm. for the thing which God really does want to give us. Um, and so I think there is the, the question of, of maturity, um, and part of maturity is, um, human maturity, is delayed gratification. And maybe there's an element of that in our praying as well. But it, it does remain a mystery. And I think the idea as well of, of Jesus speaking to us, um, that, that's really important. And some, some, some people, some of the time, find that a regular thing discussing Christian experience with people, a lot of Christians will have known a bit of that, but then they're kind of left to get on with it for a bit. I think of Paul and Silas after they'd scooped up Timothy. They're on their missionary journey. This is the beginning of Acts 16. And they try to go into Bithynia and they try to do this and try to, and the Spirit forbids them to preach the word in Asia, which is Western Turkey. And I think there's some weeks go by, maybe even months, where they're no doubt saying their prayers day by day. They have no yeah. idea what's supposed to be going on. Finally, Paul has a vision from somebody from Macedonia saying, mm. come over and help us. Oh, now we know. Why didn't somebody say that before? They had, for some reason, God made them wait. So that's that's quite a common thing. The other thing that strikes me is that 
sometimes people can have a false expectation of of how god will speak to them that it has to be the same way this other person experiences it you know this this other person has rapturous sort of experiences all the time and f- feels like god is telling them what to have for breakfast and, and everything else whereas i, yeah, I i'm yeah, aware yeah. that other people are simply wired differently and if that's the expectation that's perhaps being implanted from someone else or from the minister at the church or whatever in fact i know many people who actually the way they experience god is actually through reading that through feeling in you know a real connection with a, a wonderful theological argument and and that's just the way that god speaks to them so it's not always going to be the same from one individual to another Yes, yes. It's interesting. C.S. Lewis says something about that. He has a lovely phrase. I can't remember which book of his it comes in. He says um, that, that there are some people for whom a manual of devotion um, will leave them cold. But then he says they will find that the heart sings unbidden when they're working their way through a difficult piece of theology um, with uh, with pipe in teeth, I think he says, and with pencil in hand. In other words, <laughs> when you're really grappling with something, then a sense of the mystery of God and the presence of God can mm. come over you. Now, other people reading the same book might not feel that at all. But I think particularly, of course, Scripture and the constant reading of Scripture and the attention, the expectation that God will speak somehow through our reading of Scripture, maybe directly, maybe with just an enlarged sense of God's purposes and God's world, and then a sense of, I am at home in this world now, let me be faithful today. That's that's often how it happens. Yeah, I, ho- I hope that's been helpful in some way, Sheila. Thank you for, for sending in your question. Here's, here's another one. This is from Robert in the United States, who says, what should be our reaction when we mishear God in prayer? A few years ago, I thought I heard God telling me to do something in prayer, when I went to take action on this, I found the door closed and it doesn't seem likely it'll ever be open in the future. I don't normally hear things this directly in prayer and try to confirm it with a week of prayer and fasting. Furthermore, for as common an experience as this seems to be in Christian life, there seem to be no biblical examples to follow. The Bible only ever seems to speak about people who actually heard God, never anyone who thought they did, but were mistaken. Any thoughts on that, Tom? Yeah, my thought went straight to the prophet Jeremiah, who thought he had a word from the Lord and uh, prophesied the destruction of Jerusalem and then waited a long time, a very long time, with it not happening and people mocking him for being a false prophet um, and so on. And uh, he says at one point in agony, Lord, you have deceived me and I was deceived. Now, of course, eventually Jerusalem did fall, but he goes through that long anguish. And this relates to something I said before, that sometimes when we pray specifically about one thing, um, I think God can and does take those prayers and use them in a different way. Um, And and we have to be open to that and and be ready for it. And I think the idea of spending a week of prayer and fasting uh, to be sure that you've heard something, that's great, but it doesn't mean still that you've heard the actual right word. It just means that you are being humble and open in the presence of God and not as it were trying to twist God's arm on this particular thing, but to say, quite frankly, hey, I thought we were going on this track. And why doesn't anything seem to be happening? seems to me that's a perfectly okay place to be. And that again and again and again, Christians, when they're in that place, will find a day, a week, a year, five years later, that actually 
things have moved in a different way and that God has brought them now to a place which is the deeper reality for which they were longing, which they, they just hadn't seen. I mean, another biblical mm. example. Um, the reason Paul wrote Romans, he tells us this, is that he wanted to go to Spain and is introducing himself to the church in Rome so that he could get through them to Spain um, because that's his missionary goal. I'm going to Spain, so I need you guys to be on board and here's this letter. We don't know whether Paul got to Spain or not. I think God allowed Paul to dream of going to Spain and to pray for it and plan for it mm. in order to mm. get him to write Romans because Romans is a huge intellectual, cultural effort. It's an extraordinary document. And he must have realized he needed to lay all that stuff out. And, and in a sense, then it doesn't matter if he got to Spain or not, because he did en route the thing which, in fact, has been explosive for the last 2000 years. Whenever Christians have seriously studied Romans, all sorts of things have changed as a result. So I think in little ways as well in our lives, um, we, we really do think God is calling me to do this. And so I must plan and do this and this and this. And sometimes those intermediate things may actually be far more important for the kingdom of God than the big thing that we thought. So this, this teaches us humility the whole time. Um, uh, humility and hope it's it's a great combination um, but but neither comes easy just as we finish Tom I, I just wondered from your experience how, how do you sense God speaking to you uh, is it is it a direct voice is it just a prompting is it often through something coming to mind through scripture or or, or in some other way Often, often the, the daily and regular reading of scripture forms a context within which things will bubble up, within which mm. I will have a sort of sigh of relief, a sense of, okay, the jigsaw is coming together at this point. There have been times in my life when I have heard, uh, it's hard to say whether they've been actual voices aloud or just a very definite word, either a word of warning or a word of this is the way, get on and walk in it. If I was tempted to be slack and worry about whether this was the right way or not. Um, and also when you, when you pray for something and when you put yourself out there and when you do the fasting and prayer and regular and claiming of promises, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. When you do that, and then quite suddenly an unexpected door opens. Oh my goodness, mm. thank you. This is clearly something we need to follow up. And, and I've had many, many examples of that. Mm. Um, mm. And, and I think then as well, I remember a, a wise old friend, a, a man who was a friend of my parents in the church where I grew up, who was a humble, wise Christian, very mature in, in his faith. And he said to me once, just almost quite casually, he said, when I go uh, to a communion service, the, the, they read the passage from the gospel um, in the ordinary course of the liturgy. Then he said, I go up and I receive communion. Then I come back to my seat and I go back to the gospel that we had read, the passage from the four gospels which we had read. And he said, and then I, I pay attention. And at that moment, I will find that God is with me and speaking through that gospel. And th these little disciplines are ways of putting ourselves within hearing distance, as it were. And that will mm. be different for different mm. people. But I think part of Christian maturity is finding out what seems to work for me. And and when it happens, there's, there's not, not much room for doubt, actually. You think... Okay, right. I was expecting something. This wasn't necessarily what I wanted to hear, but this seems to be what's coming through. So sometimes it's the voice of conscience. Yeah. Um, just, just 
you know, something that you're planning to do, which over a day or a, a week or something, gradually you realize this is not something I ought to be getting into. And we have to pull back from whatever it was. And mm. God speaks through that as much as anything. Yeah, thank you so much, Tom. It's it's such helpful thoughts, and I, I hope that's been helpful for for Robert and Sheila and Nicole, who sent in those questions. Um, and thank you for sharing a bit of your own experience. Um, we'll we'll be back again same time next week uh, with questions on prayer, uh, which is obviously very much related to the questions we've been hearing today. But for now, Tom, thank you so much. Thank you. thank you for being with us on today's show and if you want to ask a question do get in touch by registering at premierunbelievable.com if you can support us in bringing thinking faith to others through shows like this you can also give at the website it does cost us of course to put on conferences to produce podcasts to create videos to write articles host websites pay stuff but most importantly it's about reaching people through all of those means so if you'd like to stand with us and donate you can do it at premierunbelievable.com or there's a giving link with today's show. Next time, we'll be asking, what difference does prayer make? And Tom will be sharing his prayer habits. Until then, God bless, and see you next time.